0: play now, put me in the game now, I came here to prove it, I'm ready to do it, I can't be afraid now, put me on the stage now, I'm ready to rage
1: now, I feel like an animal stuck in a cage and I'm ready to break out. Huh. Howdy folks, Jamie in the house and welcome to another episode of Mindset with Muscle. I'm finally back, yes, and I'm going to be uploading a new podcast every week for you and I've got a couple of cool guests. I've got lots of knowledge bombs to drop but I'm just excited to be back and kickstart with this really awesome podcast with my good friend Miss Shah Wasman. For those of you who don't know who Shah is, she's a Sunday Times top 20 most influential entrepreneur and she has just launched Her brand new book, How to Fix Your Shit, a straightforward guide to a better life. There's lots of fantastic insights in this book and it's already one of the top 10 books in the UK. You're going to get a lot of value out of this. So sit back, have a listen and enjoy. So welcome to the Mindset Muscle podcast. I want to start with a bit of a quote just so we can get the ball rolling.
0: All right, let's go.
1: And it's a simple quote. It's leave people better than you found them. And the reason I said that is every time I come here for the last three years, I've always left better than when I came. I think if you can approach every person like that and say, I'm going to give someone something that they're going to walk away feeling better, then you're going to win the game of life.
0: 100% agree. And I think one of the reasons why we've got on um, from the get-go is because I think we both have a real similar attitude about helping people. Is so that First of all, you help people that you rate and respect. And that's not based on what they earn or how or famous they are, but you see their work ethic, right? So you know that, that this person is going out, they're not only trying to help themselves, but also trying to help others, and that you're not looking for something in return. So you give freely. And I think that when you do that, more comes back to you. So yeah, that, that, that that's a great way to start a podcast.
1: It's awesome. Now I'm pretty excited. And you're probably even more excited because you've got a new book coming out in September. I have. I do like the title. What is the title?
0: The title is How to Fix Your Shit, A Straightforward Guide to a Better Life.
1: Why do people need to fix their shit and what do people have wrong with their shit that needs getting fixed?
0: Oh, where do I start? I think all of us... um, All of us have things in our life that we wish we could improve on. So it could be, uh, you could have a great career and have a really crappy personal life. You can have the most amazing relationship, but your fitness is completely, you know, off balance. Or you could be in the best shape of your life, but you're totally broke. So there's always, I mean, I think, to be honest, I think life in general is always a work in progress. And there's always something that we could tweak and improve. And that's not to say that that we can't be happy in the moment and be grateful for what we have. But you know what, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to constantly grow and improve. Because I think to me, improving is growing and vice versa. So I feel that, that in the work that I do, and even in my direct friendship groups, there's always we all have our Achilles heel. Like some of us have more than one area, but almost all of us have an area of our lives where that we've got shit that we want to sort out. And typically that's the hardest part of our lives to sort out, which is why it's still not fixed because we don't address it or we complicate it or we feel overwhelmed by it. And the reason why the subtitle is a straightforward guide to better life is because I think that we overcomplicate things so many times. Um, both as human beings in our own lives, but I also think as authors, you know, um, this is my third book, Touchwood. It will Actually, it's my fourth book, Touchwood. Um, I'll, I'll get another number one. I've had three number ones in a row, which, you know, that, that's not for me to brag about, but I tell you what, I'd never written a book in my life before. This was not my career plan. And one of the things that you know I always talk about is mindset, and I think it's the mindset of going, I'm going into this wanting to write a bestseller. And if you want to write a bestseller, You've got to hit people's pain points. You've got to deliver it in a way that's consumable. Um, I call it inhalable content. And for me, I wanted to write a book that really was just cutting out all the the jargon and the bluff and not just a straightforward guide to saying, guys, do you know what? We've all got shit to deal with. I've got shit to deal with. But how about we just fix it?
1: I think also that's the hardest thing for a lot of people to do. Something that I said to her a lot of people is that they don't write shit down. But also, there's this whole thing, especially with business and entrepreneurs, is that you should work on your strengths and don't worry about your weaknesses. But kind of counterintuitive to that is that people mask their weaknesses and focus on their strengths and and they get away with it. And I spoke about this before. Um, And what I spoke about this for was probably a year ago, I was drinking a lot, but I was still delivering the best performances so I drink a lot till two o'clock in the morning go out with the lads and stuff like that in the knowledge that I've got a hundred person seminar the next day which isn't a good idea but then I would then deliver an amazing seminar and people thought it was the best ever and that's the worst thing that could happen and it's like just because you get away with it doesn't mean that you and it was me not addressing kind of the weaknesses for things but then getting away with it because of the talents and strengths that I had And it was kind of the counterintuitive where you have people, you have a scale where people aren't doing too much and they need to fix their shit. And then you have people that are doing too much and they need to kind of fix their shit from that. And it's underachievers and overachievers. And and they're kind of painted with a different brush, such as uh, poor you with your six pack and your millions of followers and your seven figure business. You know, because there's that is a person there judging that person yeah. there, but those the overachievers have just the same sure. issues, if not more, as those people. It always brings me back to a a Channel Four series called uh, Super Super Size versus Super Skinny, and they have a a really underweight person and a really overweight person. They swap diets for a week. But what they find is that they've got exactly the same personalities and they can learn so much from each other that can actually help. That person's probably doing a bit more of what that person needs to do and, and, and vice, vice versa. Um, so that's what I always find interesting is that how does, how do you apply that to an what would be classed as someone who's not doing enough, and how would you apply that to someone who's doing too much? Is it the same kind of thing that they need to focus on to fix?
0: I think it is because I think going back to the entrepreneur thing, I think that's really true. We're, we're, and I think quite rightly we should be focusing on our strengths, but the difference is it's not ignoring your weaknesses or masking your weaknesses, it's recognizing them and from a business capacity putting people in place to cover that, right? Now, from the example that you gave. You are on point enough with your health and your fitness that you're able to ride it out. But the truth is, 99% of other people, if they tried to do what you did, would fall flat on their face. So what you're doing is you're riding on the coattails of your strengths, which is exactly what you said. So for me, uh, I would have done that with my exams, my revision, right? So I'm fortunate I've got a, a really good photographic memory. So I would take exams and I would only revise the day before. Like everybody else would be putting in hours, weeks of hard work. I'd be putting in next to nothing, memorizing the page, literally recalling it, writing it down and getting a great grade and literally winging it because I relied on my superpower strength. Now the problem with that for me at least, it's slightly different in your scenario, but for me is if you asked me anything about that subject a week later, I'd have, I'd have no frigging clue. Cool, I got an A and A star. I got like above 90%. but I didn't know shit. So it's not necessarily a strength to do that. I mean, on the one hand, superficially it looks like it is. For, for me, I just, certainly in all the, the kind of experiences that I've had personally, and those, you know, I've worked with thousands and thousands of small businesses and entrepreneurs specifically, but this applies to any human being. Even if you look at your, transition over the past year and how things have changed for you. You go through periods of your life where one area of your life is completely sorted. And then another area of your life is sorted. But that area that was sorted now needs a little bit of refining. And ultimately I think all of these things come down to the mindset that you do you actually one of the things I talk about in the book is the different the difference between wanting something and preferring it. Okay so They want a six-pack, but they prefer Netflix and Ben & Jerry's, right? They want a thriving business, but they prefer to not have to work the long hours that it takes at the beginning. They want this huge audience on Instagram and Facebook, but they prefer not to have to show up consistently every day. So what happens is people say the things that they want, but really what they mean is they'd prefer it. They'd prefer it if somebody could come along and just give them all of this stuff. And that means they don't really want it. Because when you want something, you go all out to change it, to get it, to address it, to fix it. And and for me, that's where it starts. It starts in a mindset shift.
1: Yeah, and I think it's something that you said previously when we were talking about something being binary. Um, And I think that comes down to being honest about what it is that you want. Um, and you discuss that with your health and fitness goals. Yeah. You know, it's something. And so some, many of these kind of cliche quotes come come up, as in, you either want it or you don't. But then it's a case of being honest with yourself and having an assessment, saying how much do you prioritise your health? Um, and, and health and fitness are two very different things. Because um, I'm speaking to people all the time about this. Whenever I have a discussion, it's like, right, we need to, we need to. Put two hats on here. We need to look at a fit. We need to put a little sciencey physiological hat on, and then we kind of need to get the sofa out and put our physiological, you know, caps on as well. Because physiologically, we can have a rational, science-based argument where one person will be the winner. One person will walk out of that ring as the winner. But when it comes to psychological, there is no winner. No. There's no winner because. Every single answer to that question is it depends and there's so much context involved based on the person. And I think that comes down to being honest with yourself and going, right, your fitness, do you want it or do you not? And if so, why do you want that? Everyone knows physiologically, if you are in a healthy body fat state, then you are gonna probably, unless you get hit by a bus, spend longer on this planet. No one can argue with that. But more and more when I work with people, They're really delving deeper into why they want to do it because if a person who is severely overweight loses weight it doesn't mean that they're going to be happier because it's it's the wrong thing that they're looking at they're looking at more of a psychological state than a physiological state and i know so many people have lost 30 40 pounds and they're miserable because they've just lost certain things about themselves or they had the wrong mindset into what they're doing so what was kind of the binary thing that you said to yourself when it came to health and fitness?
0: So I'm a big believer in that we are driven either, you know, we're either towards or away people. And the moment you figure that out with yourself, it's easy to fix your shit, right? Because you start imagining the worst case scenario that you want to move away from or the best case scenario that you want to move towards. And you don't necessarily have to be a... uh, uh, away or towards person in everything right so in business i'm 100 a towards person i don't think for a second i, I I'm probably not even one percent away so worrying about money is never a driver for me it, it is just i i'm not worried about that stuff when it comes to work when it comes to my fitness it was the opposite i wasn't looking for the perfect six pack the j-lo body i was more it was an away from um, feeling unhealthy and you know i'm only tiny i'm like five foot four and what had happened is over a period of time through a combination of things you know i was i was widowed really young i, I bringing up you know a, a child by myself running my own business transitioning businesses as well because we, you know i've only been doing what i'm doing for four years like prior to this i had a much more kind of traditional role in a different type of business altogether and i've been i feel like I've, i'm like you know like the madonna of business like i've had so many reinventions right and each time it takes you know you're taking a new chance and a new risk and for me what happened is it didn't happen overnight just gradually i had put on probably definitely 20 pounds probably more like 25 pounds now on a five foot four frame that's considerable i've also had but ask, easy
1: but that's easy well. right easy do, yeah Easy to do. and We'll get back to just an example that I did in a video. For me to maintain my weight at a 5'11", 200-pound guy who gets an average 15,000 steps in, I can maintain at 3,400 calories. So I can get away with murder. I can actually drink a few beers every night and have a cake and still be in a calorie deficit. For yourself, however, I'd say I'd put you on maybe six on your activity, but maybe sixteen hundred. So it's half the amount. But I guarantee, nice. if we both sat down and had something to eat, your appetite's just as big as mine. And I say to it, it just sucks. That's yeah. life. You know, you've got to play the cards but that you. You have
0: getting. to accept it and exactly. kind of like. And that was one of the things I had to realize that this is what my cards are. How do I change it? So you know, this this is this story is one hundred percent true because it sounds so crazy. It's one hundred percent true, and. Is reflective of how I am probably in business and everything else so I have a friend who's based out in stores and she was seriously overweight I don't know whether she was 120 140 pounds but I'm, I'm considerably overweight and I watched her progress on Facebook and all this time I'm watching her progress I'm feeling like you know my trousers just uh, I've kind of crept up to a size 14 which I'm not like this isn't about me saying what size people should be but for me that wasn't the right size. I didn't feel comfortable, I didn't feel strong, I didn't feel fit. And I was watching this, and I was watching her transformation before my very eyes, and then there was this one post. And you know, they say that like, the straw that broke the camel's back, I call it your threshold. What is the threshold that it's gonna take for you to finally give up your job and set up the business? Yeah. What's the threshold that it's gonna take for you to finally leave that shitty relationship? What's the threshold it's gonna take for you to you know, finally stop smoking, stop drinking? Whatever it is, it's that, th- well, I reached my threshold. I saw this photo and I swear down, she was 20 pounds heavier than me. And I thought, oh my God, any minute now, like any minute now, she's gonna like be the same size as me. And this was a positive thing, not a negative thing, right? It wasn't some bitchy comment. Because the first thing I did was I literally messaged her on Facebook, I said, can we jump on a Zoom call? And she said, sure. So I said, listen, I've got to be honest. And I was totally honest, I said, I've just seen your post. And I'm sat here and I'm feeling like, oh my God, I've done nothing what did you do? And this, what I did next, I think is the one thing that differentiates me from a lot of people who talk about doing things and wanting to do things. And the truth is, it gets easier the more you do it. Because I'd already always done this in business, I just hadn't tapped into it, into that mindset with my fitness. But the moment I switched my business head on to my mindset in my fitness, it all changed. So what I did, I said, so tell me what you did. So she tells me that she works with, with this um, fitness trainer uh, in the States, in Texas, and she doesn't actually ever see him because she's in a different state, but she pays him a thousand dollars to stalk her essentially. So every morning she has to send him a picture of her scales and she has to send uh, my fitness pal and she has to send um, um, also her, I think it was her Polar M60 at that time, not the Apple Watch with logins of all of the exercise, so proof. So basically the way he structured this program, there is no out, you can't lie. So you can say you ate what you ate when you didn't, but the scales will say something different. You can say you ran three miles, but your Polar watch or your Apple watch is gonna say something different. So you cannot lie. So whilst she's telling me this, as she's telling me, I am already, I've just signed up on PayPal before she's even finished telling me. So within five minutes, I'd sign up to a $1,000 a month program with this guy in Texas. Then I said, well, what was the exact watch? So she's telling me I'm on Amazon, I've ordered the watch. And then I said, okay, so what were you allowed to eat? She said, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll do a screen share. I said, no, I'll tell you what, can you just send it um, as, as a download? I'm going to print it off. Within 15 minutes, i finished the phone call, signed up for a three-month program, ordered the watch, and then in the next 10 minutes, I took the list of food, I stuck it on my Fred. My son hated me for like three months because I took a black dustbin bag and I opened up every single cupboard and my freezers, And there was nothing left in my house that wasn't on that list. Nothing. So when I talk about binary, I had no way out. Like I had no way out. The only way was forward. The only thing I could possibly do was stick to the program. So that's what I did. I stuck to the program. And in the process of sticking to the program, not only did I lose all the weight, and I've never put any of it back on, but I suddenly found this new, I'd never been able to run before. And, and, and one of the things I loved about his program, it was its simplicity, especially for entrepreneurs. And he had like a niche in working with entrepreneurs. So one of our big things is you're always traveling. So you're always eating shitty food and you don't necessarily have anywhere to exercise. So nothing he does is gym-based. He says it's really simple. You run wherever you are. And if you can only run a mile, you do that. Two miles, three miles, four, we build it up. You start off with 20 push-ups on your knees. You progress to 20 push-ups, full push-ups. Then you do 30, then 40, then 50, and we get to 100. You do it 20 squats 20 sit-ups and then we keep increasing it so there was no excuse basically i could never say to him oh i couldn't have a gym you didn't need a gym show. you just need to do your squats your sit-ups and your push-ups that's it i need to get outside the hotel and go and run so i started running and the first mile i have asthma i, I was just awful i hated it which is crazy because i like literally live on a park right now i run six days a week and i love that and that was getting binary yeah. Giving myself no other option. But
1: it's also skin in the game and account personal accountability. <sighs> Absolutely. Um, and a lot of people, you know, I was this before, um, fitness is the same as business. As with anything, you know, it's all about understanding certain algorithms to go by. And and once you understand those kind of fundamentals, and I always talk about the difference between fundamentals and principles. You know, you've got basic fundamentals from fitness. You've got basic fundamentals of business. Principles, however, are very, very different. There's many different methods. There's more yeah. than one way of skinning a cat and some, what works for me might not work for you. Yet people still argue about their methods. No one's arguing about the fundamentals. No, no one's saying, you're wrong. It, you can eat more than you burn. No one's saying that. They are very basic, and as though they're basic doesn't mean that they're easy. Because I, I, something I say is the easy things to do are usually the hardest things to do because you don't prioritise them. It's usually the harder things to do that you prioritise. Um, for
0: me it was tapping into what I already knew existed within me from a business perspective which was that competitive element and, and that not people pleasing but that wanting to succeed so there was no fucking way I was going to show up having not done what I said I was going to do I'd never do that in business and yet I was doing it in my fitness all day long but now now I had to show up on like a zoom call with him like like for the first month every single day and i had to send a picture of like there was no way out so it was either i win or i lose so i'm gonna fucking win so i'm just gonna do whatever i've got to do so i mean truthfully um i and you know i'm not suggesting this is a good plan for everybody but again because of my mindset i was just like i don't need I, i i don't need Tons of different options. What I need is just to get it done. So every day I had the same food for a month. I had egg whites and broccoli and I didn't eat anything else. I had egg whites and broccoli every single day. I went completely low carb, high protein. It worked for me. Again, I'm not saying it works for everybody, but for me it worked. And I literally ate the same food every single day for the first month and nothing else.
1: Because it's what worked for you. you know? yes. And this is the thing. When I, when I was a high level competitor, I ate the same things every single day and then change and evolve as I go on. But I'm not preaching, I don't go preaching to everyone, stop doing that. It's yeah. understanding the, the the why behind it. Yeah, okay, there's many different methods to do but that work for you, and that might not be the same thing that you're doing now, but you're doing something different and you haven't put the weight back on. Exactly, no, and I'm, I'm
0: nowhere near as rigid as I was exactly. then. But I would say I maintain a generally high-protein, low-carb. Before, I wouldn't have even had the sweet potato fries. Like, I was hardcore like i just did everything by the book like i weighed everything out like i'd never done anything like that in my life before but the difference now is as well that you know i'm typically running three four miles every single day like so it's the consistency of doing that and now i've added other things into it so i can probably be a bit more flexible and the truth is if i felt like i'd gained like another five pounds, I'll just go extreme for three weeks. And exactly. I know there's a reset button for me.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think. And, and
1: you said that for three weeks, you're not just going off the bandwagon. And it's you have, like for myself, I have, a, I have a personal standard from a scale point of view. And I don't weigh myself all the time, but I know if I've kicked the arse out of it, I'll stick it on there to say, yeah, you're going beyond your standards. And I do hold high standards for myself, but I also allow myself a lot of flexibility. What you're saying with regards to, you know, I say, things from a physiological and psychological head you know physiologically what you're kind of doing with your nutrition is a high protein diet is also high satiety which means you know you're satisfied when you eat if you're saying to yourself that you're going low carb it's it's not that you're going low carb it's just that you're more conscious of what's going in and more carbohydrates are around you which means that you're going to be eating less food Simple as that. That's all it is, it's a decision. So that's more psychological as well as physiological. And this is why keto and low-carb work so well. A lot of people think it's wizardry and magic when it's just common sense because you're making more conscious eating decisions. And
0: therefore you end up in a calorie deficit, which isn't actually rocket science. Which then comes
1: back to the fundamentals. Right, and
0: nobody's going to dispute the fundamentals. If you want to lose weight, you need to be in a calorie deficit.
1: Exactly. And the
0: easiest way to do that is to nail your nutrition not your exercise exercise is important but you ain't gonna lose all the weight with, with exercise alone you can't out exercise a bad diet like and, and I've, I've really learned that and for me the funniest thing was it was so it, there was one thing when I, I was analyzing what I was eating so I was thinking that I was being really healthy and like I wasn't eating sweets, crisps, chocolates, the odd cake nothing major but because I was working such long hours I was swinging between loads of caffeine which I've got to say I still do And my sweet tooth, but what I was doing, I was having those great big chunky medjool dates and I'd take the stone out and I'd fill each medjool date with some almond butter. And what I didn't realise was each one of those medjool dates.
1: 200 calories?
0: 250 calories and I was having four a day. That was a thousand freaking calories when you're right. Like my probably, you know, my maintenance is probably about, I'd say it's probably even 1500, not 1600, right? Yep unless I'm out exercising consistently and then I can yeah, so
1: 75 percent of your calories is coming from four dates and some peanut butter and, and and but but in your head that looks like medjool dates he, like in your head healthy almond butter healthy so it's fine and so many people do totally. that you know so many people do that and that's the problem because when I say to people you know I'm eating I'm eating clean i am not losing weight or I only eat healthy food I don't lose weight I'm like well if you eat enough healthy food, You'll be in a calorie surplus and you will gain weight. Right. So it's not about the food, it's about the calories, and it's understanding that. And, you know, a lot of people say to me, What you know, what do you think of Slimming World? What do you think of Weight Watch? And I say, Look, they're genius because a big, very a big table which has a load of people more intelligent than me said, Look, we get this calorie thing, we get that that's the answer, but people aren't fucking doing it. There's 60% of the UK is overweight. Let's find something that's let's write it out in crayons, let's make it a bit more fun, yep. and let's make people do it. And that is what they've done with that. So I said, look, it's great, but also great for them as a business because you'll have to keep coming back because they haven't taught you what to do. They've taught you how to play a game. And, and then when you fail, you, can fire, you can't
0: do it by yourself, so you need to go back
1: which into the brilliant game. Which is from a business right, perspective. Right, from a business um, perspective, um, for which sure. Is, which is great, which is why my mum's been on swimming world for 15 years, and she won't listen to her son <laughs> who knows what he's talking about.
0: That's always
1: the way. So, Charlotte, I want to go back to something that you did on your weight loss journey which not a lot of people do and should do more of and it's about envy because I always say there's two different types of envy there's envy that helps you and there's envy that hinders you more people need to go towards those people who have something they want because they're probably going to help them then talk shit about them and deny the fact that they're doing something that they want to do in the hope that they'll fall so they can sit and laugh. And something that you did then was seeing something, somebody doing something that you want, you became envy of them, envious of them, and then you reached out to learn from them. Now, this has such a commonality with people who start getting more followers, more income, more business. Instead of suddenly going, I need help. Yeah they start talking shit to make themselves feel better because they're not as successful.
0: And sadly, I feel that the majority of people do that rather than go and model success. So, again, one of the things talk about in the book is if you want to fix your shit, go find someone who's already fixed it. So you're struggling in this area, go find someone who's got a great relationship, who's sorted out all their finances, who's got a thriving business in exactly the area or space that you want. You'd be amazed if you reach out and ask people for help and support, there's always going to be somebody who's further ahead than you in something. Now, for me, when I saw her, you're right, I literally got on the seat. I, was, I literally said, fucking hell, Rachel. Like, how the fuck have you lost all this weight? Like, and I to- I was. we were laughing because I was being so honest. I, was, I told her the truth. I said, I looked at that picture and I thought to myself, oh my God, like literally any minute now I'm going to see a pose and we're going to be the same size. And I said, I don't mean any disrespect, but I need to get my shit together. So tell me how you did it. And then it was much more like collegiate like we were on a team together like we were pulling in the same direction like she wanted to share all her secrets with me and in turn i've gone and shared all my secrets that i did with all of my people god only knows how much business i've him. i mean i genuinely reckon i've sent him fifty thousand pounds worth of customers maybe more like
1: it's a a huge reciprocity effect though isn't it totally and that the rest, That kind of reciprocity, if you give people gifts every day, you get them back. If you tell everyone to fuck off every day, guess what? You get it you're back. Wondering, you're wondering why no one likes you. Um, and it's so important to do, and it's a huge mes- message for people. If they start to get a bit defensive about something, they need to turn it around and kind of question, well, why is that? Why am I so pissed off of that person right now? Is it because they have something that I want? Most of the time it is. They've actually got, got a word in German called uh, Schadenfreude or Schadenfreude, yes. which is taking pleasure in other people's pain. And yeah. I think us in the UK tend to do that a lot because we very much put people on pedestals. And, and then like
0: ripping them down.
1: Exactly. And, and that in itself stops people from trying to get on a pedestal. And what yeah. I'm, the reason I'm talking about getting on a pedestal is because there is no fucking pedestal. So people go, oh, I don't want to be that person being judged. So, I will but people blend perceive in a bit. there
0: to be a pedestal, so they yeah. think, you know, I don't. It's just going back to this age-old question: like, do people fear success or failure more? And you'd think that the natural answer would be they feel they fear failure more. But actually, a lot of people fear success because they fear being judged. And I think that's becoming more and more so when you see all the trolls out there denigrating people trying to pull everybody down but equally i think you know what what i try to do is always think to myself let me focus on my people and in my world there are so many good people out there and and our role is just to become that one of those people in as many people's lives as we can and you can't fix your shit in business in life in relationships in your fitness without help it starts from within but one of the things that we're really bad at, particularly in the UK, is asking for help because it's seen as a sign of weakness. Whereas in my world, in my language, it's the greatest sign of strength because I'm like, listen, I'm all that and a bag of fucking chips. I know how good I am at this, this and this, but this, I don't know how the hell to do it. So I'm called cool to put my hand up and say, you know, can you help me on this? Can you help me on this? Can you help me on this? Because I've got all of this other area of stuff that I'm really good at. And there is something that we are all really good at, but it's usually different things to each other. So ask, the only way you get better at something, the only way you fix something, if you haven't already fixed it, is asking for help. Because if you've got something that needs fixing and you haven't done it already, the chances are you either don't want it enough or you don't know how to.
1: Yeah. Do you think, and I want to get into kind of a agenda discussion today.
0: No, go on. Let's
1: do it. But do you think that we're, it's women find it easier to ask for help than men and the reason that i say that is because i've been supporting this year um a charity called calm which is a campaign against living miserably 84 men take their own lives every single week in the uk a lot of that is down to them not asking for help yeah and women seem to be very good at asking for help in those kind of things from my own personal experience.
0: So you've literally just read the, you know, the first part of one of my chapters, and I specifically look at the gender difference, and I reference calm. So that's, that's really um,
1: scary. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird.
0: A hundred percent agree. I know that obviously not all women have the same kind of support networks. To me, my support network is my most valuable asset. It's got nothing to do with my business or, you know, my property or anything. And my support network is made up of men and women. Um, And it always has been, but I have a really tight group of girlfriends and I think women feel much more confident and comfortable to be open and honest with their female friends. Whereas I think a lot of the time, most, not all, but most guys feel like they have to put on a front. What I would say as a little caveat to this is I think it's becoming harder for women. So I think that as roles change, as I see more and more of my female friends becoming either the sole breadwinner or the main breadwinner, they're having to mask their challenges. So they don't want to share things where, and and, and I look at the underlying reasons why have men historically not shared, you know, there's all the gender biases from, from being a child, but also I think that historically, the financial responsibility historically has been on a man's shoulders. That has massively shifted over the last 50 years come to today when in my so which probably isn't surprising but in my social circle 90 percent of my female friends are more than their partners and as a result of that they have the conversations with their female friends but they struggle to have it with their partners because they don't want their partners worrying about anything about money about what's going to happen if their career changes if they do this or do that so i think that that it's not just a male thing now but i think that if you're seen by the outside world as a strong person you feel like you have to maintain that front at all times. And so I think as much as there is still a big gender bias in terms of of the willingness or comfortableness to ask for help, I also feel like, sadly, it's becoming more equal. And that's not necessarily a good thing. It's not, you know, we want to decrease it for everybody, make everybody feel like they're able to ask for help. But I feel that more and more women are finding it harder because they feel like they have to present that front to their friends to their family to their husbands to their partners as they take on more responsibility than maybe they would have done 50 years ago um i also think that it's that whole alpha male thing this this um this image that we've got about what it means to be an alpha male to be a protector to take care of everything almost you should just have all your shit fixed like why should you know All alpha males have all their shit fixed, surely. And that is just absolute total bullshit. Like, you know, the most... I I come from a boxing background and I grew up, in my early parts of my careers, I worked around the most alpha males that you could possibly come across and they had just as many issues and challenges and frustrations as anyone else. Going back to what you said at the beginning of the conversation, you have the overachievers and the underachievers, but the overachievers have just as many problems and shit to fix as the underachievers. The problem is that if you feel like you've got to constantly put on a front out there, then it's so hard to actually ever ask for help because you do feel that asking for help is you being judged as being weak when you're supposed to be the strong person. What I want to add to that though about this whole gender discussion is that whilst it's statistically and certainly my own real life experience um, harder for men to reach out and ask for help and have those conversations with their peer group, it is women who get trolled the most it is women who are the most critical of each other, it is women yeah. who try to tear each other down more mm. than men men will be, oh come on, we're in for a good competition, mm. women aren't typically in for a good competition they they're in for you know and again I'm not saying all women but I see it far more with women than I do with men and I, I I just wish and this is probably my mission for 2020 is to really make women realize that actually the only person you should compete with is yourself and you should be looking to collaborate with others
1: exactly and I actually had a, a viral video gone 10 like no it was for ladies, 10 reasons why you haven't got the body of your dreams. And number six was your friends are bitches. And, and it was because as soon as you start getting a little bit of success with how you're looking, it holds up a mirror to your other friends who now want, and want to kind of secretly trample on your success so they feel better. And I think I see that more, towards the female than the male as where they say oh, someone a little bit more successful business is like hey stop being so successful let's just try and get you back onto my level so where I with
0: feel it. comfortable exactly, yeah because yeah. now you're making me feel uncomfortable so let me just bring you down a peg or two back down to my level so I feel comfortable it's literally like uh, like you've read my whole entire book because I'm going to find it and read it to you there's a line um, it, there's actually a whole paragraph on it where I talk about this exact thing that once I lost that weight I, I could not believe people oh, sure, you're being a bit obsessive.
1: taking this a bit seriously.
0: You're taking it seriously. I think you've lost way too much weight, you know. I'm like, excuse me? But for me, the bit was, you're being really obsessive. And I was like, hold on a second. I'm not being obsessive about downing a bottle of Prosecco every night. I'm being obsessive about my health and my fitness. So as a single mum to a son who no longer has his dad because his dad's passed away. I actually want to live as long as I possibly can and be as fit and healthy as I can. So do you know what? Fuck you, bitches. If you've got a problem with it, like, that's it. I'm pretty hardcore.
1: No, but you need to be sometimes like that because then that's going to be detrimental. And I tell you what, if you're like that with people, people who don't like that and leave whenever you're friends. A
0: hundred percent.
1: And it's as simple as that, you know, I, I, it's, it's, I would say it's a lot easier. It always is, it's always been because it's never affected with my friends. Like my old school friends, yeah. there's only two places I could find them at work or in the pub.
0: Yeah. And it's
1: easy because when I was on a competition diet and being really strict, the hardest thing is to go out with those kind of people. But my The funniest thing that I would do to would be like, they would say, go on, Jay, just have a beer. And i say, lift your top on mate lift your top up and i'll lift mine they go no i said that's why and it's like and it's not so being harsh because i don't care you live your life how you want but this this is a conversation stopper just so you are visually aware of why i'm deciding hey. to make these decisions for my own good and if you don't like that then fine i'm still going to do it and i think more people need to get to that end of knowledge that i say to people you're going to make a lot of mistakes you're going to get better and then you're going to have to face this because as soon as you, you're not getting to where you need to be until you start seeing that. And as soon as you become aware of that, oh, Jamie, that thing that you said is going to happen, is that it's happen- happening now.
0: But you, you know, you learn to deal with it. And my attitude is that, is that my light doesn't dim your light and your light doesn't outshine my light. And surely if we just put it all together, everything's just light. I mean, I just have never, genuinely have never got this concept that somebody else's success means my demise business is not a zero-sum game
1: no and your
0: loss is not my win
1: exactly but people people have their life in very much a scarcity mentality so if you take if you've got this many people it means i have less and i remember seeing a quote and it says that the world is a an ocean of opportunity and it's up to you whether you take to that ocean a a bucket or a spoon because it doesn't matter which one you take there's still plenty of that ocean to go around for everyone and when you have that kind of concept with business you have that kind of concept with everything you're like well are you gonna just do yeah. this or you're gonna do everything or are you gonna just take that or you're just gonna yeah. do it all and there's many there's lots of people running around with spoons and they seem to get really pissed off those with buckets. With buckets not knowing that they can just go and buy a fucking bucket
0: right and do it themselves like one, one of my <laughs> one of my favorite tracks right now i don't know if you've heard it is by an artist called russ R-U-S-S, you'll have to listen to it later. And it's called Do It Myself. And the lyrics are just, they're pretty graphic, but they're great, you get the impression. It's like, literally, do you know what? Fuck it, I'll do it myself. Like, if you've got a problem and it's not getting fixed, you've got to say that to yourself, right? If you are constantly relying on someone else to fix your problems, ultimately, it has to come down to you. And equally, if you know that you need help to fix them, it still comes down to you to ask for the help that you need. And we have a tendency to believe that, oh, but I'm going to ask for help and I'm going to be turned down. But we have these scenarios, like we imagine the worst case scenario in our heads, right? And so the reason we don't take any action, we stay stuck in our little kind of bubble of comfort that's not really comfortable at all because we think, oh, well, if I push myself out there, then this is what's going to happen and that's what's going to happen. And the worst case scenario never really happens. Like it just doesn't. And I just, for for, for my part and the work that I do, I just find it so sad that so many people have so many dreams that they either put on hold altogether, forget about, or dumb down in order to fit other people's agendas. Yeah. That pisses me off.
1: How do people get out of that though? You know, how do people, apart from obviously buying your book?
0: (laughs) I'm not trying to suggest that my book is a cure-all for everything. And do you know what? I think the key to my book is really simplicity. This isn't rocket science. I'm not trying to pretend that I've, you know, I've I've reinvented the wheel or anything. We overcomplicate everything. If you just boil it down to some really basic things, like what do you really want? Don't go after the things that you'd prefer, but what are the things that you really want to fix? Write them down. What does it look like? Who do you need help from? Where are you going to get that help? Write it down. Get really specific about what you want and what you need one of the key things and it's how i end the book is to talk about the importance of the people that we have in our lives and you know this quote has been misquoted misconstrued um but really i don't give a shit because i think it's true the the people that you surround yourself is where your life ends up and you know i think the saying is that the five people you spend your most time with are, are, are the sum of you know where your life is at and some people have misconstrued this to mean, oh, well, you just have to have rich, famous people. That's not the point. At all. It's about a mindset. The people you spend your time with have got to be the people who say to you, oh, Jamie, you're competing, right? Come down to the pub with us. Don't worry. We'll just we'll just get you like water all night. And when you're there, they don't once try to get you to get a beer. The people who you want in your life are the ones who, even though they hold down a regular standard nine to five job on a regular salary and don't actually really understand everything you do in your business, are the first ones to champion you and say, do you know what, more power to you. I couldn't do what you do because I want my life like this, but God, like, I'm so proud of you, like. You want the they're, people... They're the people
1: that you want in your life.
0: A hundred percent. And
1: I, I think as we grow older, and I, I did a quote on this, and I I went on my walk, and obviously this was before my son arrived a few weeks back, and I was going through my head of all the things that I went through with Eliza, with, with Archer. And I was like, and it just got me thinking, it's really interesting, because he's going to learn how to walk, he's going to get up, he's going to fall down, and th- there's not, never going to be a conversation. I know he can't even talk, but if he could, the conversation would maybe that's not for you, maybe you should just crawl. There's not, there's just a smile, and there's like, no, keep going until it's done. And I think a lot of that is that kind of nurture approach, but it's just like an expectation that I won't allow you to, you just gotta keep going until you stand on your own two feet. So many people aren't like that now. They don't, they see someone fall and they're like, you know, they laugh at them. and. Your environment can be created for that. The one quote that I have is, environment dictates performance. Yeah. And you need people around you that when you fall, they just smile. And and they're like, yeah, you'll, you'll get there. But, you know, I did that. And, you know, the outcome is not the outcome because there isn't an end. The end is when you're dead. So get, get, get the fuck Get back up, go again. And you need to find more of those people that you that you can share those stories, oh, I fucked up big time, I lost everything. Where cool, you what can you be honest,
0: where yeah. you can be really, really brutally honest. Which,
1: which is hard to do, I mean, like, I've come here today, I've spoken to you, we've spoken about money, income and stuff like that. I just cannot have conversations with people about that because they just see a number and they're like, oh, it's all right for you. And that comes down to that underachiever, overachiever thing, You, unfortunately... There are overachiever problems that you can't talk to. And it's not saying, you know, I don't want to say underachievers, but people who have a mentality where they see what it is that you're saying as a problem as, oh, first world problems.
0: But it's still your problem and it's still real for you. Like my problems are my problems and other people's problems are their problems, even if we don't share the same problem. Is how that impacts your life and what it means to you. And the beauty of having... um, people in your life that you can have real conversations with is it makes asking for help so much easier, right? So the first time you ask for help from someone, how that person responds to you will dictate whether you ever ask them for help again in the future, right? And my attitude has always been that if you pay it forward to people, it comes back to you 10 times over. So if I help someone, I'm not looking at how they can help me in return. But in reality, what always happens without fail is that they go and help someone else. And that part, then they talk about me and then something else comes back to me through some kind of weird like thread of the universe, right? And But if you make it easy for people to ask help from you, you make it easier for you to ask for help from other people as well. And, and that kind of symbiotic relationship between human beings where... All we want is is growth for all of us like I said you know your your win is not my loss and your loss is not my win so we're not in competition we should be thinking about like what can we learn from each other and how can we all move up one one coming from my background which you know not everybody knows but I come from a super poor background like you know I lived in a hostel for homeless families and I grew up on a council estate with a single parent family, nobody's ever gone to university. I've never had a single solitary penny given to me in my life. But what I had given to me was an attitude from my mom growing up that everything was possible. It doesn't matter that you've lived in a hostel for homeless families. In fact, use that to know that you're never coming back here. It doesn't matter what your environment is. What matters is where you're going to and how you're gonna get there and, and your, your, your journey along the way. And the reason that I share this is I think that it's all too easy in this photoshopped world for people to assume that it's easier for you or it was easier for me. You know, people assume that I must come from a well-to-do middle class family, having no idea actually what I've been through or how I've got to where I've got to. And people thinking that actually just wake up with a six pack and 100,000 followers on Instagram without ever actually doing any work when the reality is, is that how many times have you been knocked down and your success comes from getting back up and going again?
1: I think there's kind of a level of, like I don't ram that down people's throats but I have an analogy that that explains it. It's the thing that I have on my my Instagram and it's float like a duck and paddle like fuck.
0: (laughs) I love it. That's what, we,
1: that, that's what we all should be doing, you know, and that's why I love it so much because everyone needs to look as if they're floating on the water when they're actually secretly paddling like fuck underneath. And if you can master that game and have someone say you're so lucky and you can smile and quack, that's cool. You don't need to tell them that you...
0: Game over the fuck. You
1: don't need to tell them, like, just look underneath there, I'm paddling like fuck. Um, sometimes you need to remind people that you are paddling like fuck. We are all just, paddling like fuck. And that's why I said, you know, I had a video that said, relax, we're all fucking ringing it. I uh, said, so totally. every single person around you, I've worked with some massive, most of them, they've got a strategy, but a still a high percentage of them are still winging it because that's where the creativity comes from. And they need to, you know, in order for a business to go, you need to make mistakes. So, in, order, in to order to, go to go make through mistakes, life. you need to wing certain things. Absolutely. As well. And as soon as you know that not everyone's got their shit fixed and figured out, then yeah. actually you can then have a lot more confidence that, you know, I'm just going to try and make a few mistakes too. And it's like, yes, because now you're going onto that path of success. It's that kind of, oh, you know, um, I want it to be perfect. And it's just like, well, you're never going to progress with that because you'll spend so much time trying to tinker with something that you'll never launch it. Oh, yeah. And I love that a quote by Jeff Bezos, he said, if you're not embarrassed by your first product, then you've launched too late. And just I'm, ship it. Yeah. <laughs> just ship
0: it is what they say. They're perfect for Amazon. Just ship it. Yeah.
1: And, and I've always, you know, When I've had a website launch, I've always gone, there's so much things to sort out, let's just launch it and then we'll figure out as we go along because the best thing is to get a 1,000 people on there to complain. Jamie, at the end of the day,
0: we're all a work in progress. Our businesses are a work in progress. Our personal lives are a work in progress. Our finances are a work in progress. Our fitness is a work in progress. The key is to recognise what is important to you. And the areas of your life that need fixing, you address and you fix them. And the areas in your life where you you really want to excel, you focus on and you go all in. You get binary on the things that matter to you.
1: So, I mean, we could. Well, this could be a five-hour. <laughs> I know, let's think about it. But if you were to kind of summarize how, in three three sentences, how people could fix their shit, so they don't have to buy your book but most certainly should buy the book, what would you say in those kind of three sentences to where someone can really fix their shit? Some simple advice.
0: Some real simple advice. Number one, get really honest with yourself. Nothing will ever get fixed until you're honest with yourself. So go buy a notebook, go old school, pen and paper. Don't do it online. Sit there with a cup of tea, cup of coffee, whatever it is for you, and literally write down every single thing that's bothering you that you feel needs fixing and get it all out of your head and down on a piece of paper that's honesty nobody else has to look at it right but now in the cold light of day you can look at all of these things that that, that you feel need fixing and you can start to take a dose of reality right you can group things together okay like, hey, that's my business that's my health that's my fitness then what you need to do is look at that list and say well what can i fix myself right now and i just haven't got around to doing it do that get some early wins in. The key to anything is momentum, right? So get some early wins in that, that tell your brain, do you know what? I'm capable of fixing this shit. But equally look at the stuff, the bigger stuff that's really bothering you. That if you're being honest, if you could have fixed it by yourself, it would have got fixed by now. Recognize that you can't and it's going to stay like this forever unless you do something about it now. Project yourself forward 20 years, if you stay on the trajectory you're on, how is your life going to look in 20 years? Now start asking for help. Who do you need to speak to to get help to fix that thing that you need to get fixed? That's it. And then
1: go and speak to those people. Of
0: course, yeah. then follow that up exactly with going and actually you... speaking to those people. Right? Go and speak to those people. And I guess finally, you know, this isn't really rocket science and, and it sounds a little bit um, facetious... I love that word, I haven't used it for ages, facetious. Yes, it sounds a little bit facetious. You know, actually just go and then follow through with action because if you don't take the action, then being honest with yourself, writing it all down and asking for help will amount to nothing but a waste of time for yourself and whoever you ask for help from if you don't follow it through with action.
1: Yeah.
0: And you know, maybe the icing on the cake, the, the, the kind of the cherry that makes all of that easier to do is surround yourself with good people will smith had this great video on facebook that went viral and he was taking a quote from from Rumi about um people who fan your flames that you need to have people in your life who fan your flames and he said you need to ask yourself are people pissing on your fire or are they throwing logs on your fire only log throwers need apply
1: uh, it's yeah and it's fantastic and I think a lot of people, I kind of want to finish that. A lot of people think that in order to fix shit, you need to obviously spend a lot of money. And one of, I, every year for my birthday, I do um, like 34 things at 34, 34 th- uh, th- things at 34. My 33 at 33 is um, a book, is a collection of thoughts and experiences from wise people who have spent the last 10, 15 years figuring out the shit that you need to figure out. And the best of all, it probably costs £15 for you to buy on Amazon. So if that's not a recommendation for you to get your book and fix your shit, I don't know what is because, goodness knows, I mean, it's not going to be more than £15 to get... To a ten up. ...decade... Well, oh, probably more than a decade, I'll be nice. Of experience... Fuck more up, than a decade! <laughs> of experience, fuck-up failures, and multiple times where you fix your shit. Yeah. And this is the fourth book that you've... Um, written and there's a reason that the other three books are bestsellers
0: yeah I, I think truthfully I, I think everything is better with simplicity and breaking things down in a way that's not freaking patronizing to people or suggesting that I've got everything fixed because I haven't but but in a way that everybody no matter where you're at can relate to and say do you know what that's me and do you know what that makes sense and do you know what I can do that
1: exactly and there's always there's this interesting kind of uh image which I've seen before and it's a a little circle and it's a massive circle and it's like in order to teach this you need to know that and the more experience the more that you you learn and know the more that you realize that you don't know and it's that kind of Dunning-Kruger effect that they show as you you learn more you think you know everything and then you get more experience you realize you know nothing and then you come back and there's where your wisdom is and you look back at someone who's on kind of level one where you're on level 10, you're like, oh, isn't that sweet, I'm in a bit <laughs> like that. Um, and that can really help you when someone has a loud mouth and is talking off, because for me, mental models and framing things are so important in, in business and fitness yeah. um, and in life. So, so I could, we could literally turn this into a four hour marathon but we'll have to I'll have to come we've back we've got other work to we, we, do today we, we have a lot of work to do so I want to finish with my favourite quote which I've finished on every podcast and that's what you put in your body affects how you look and how you feel and what you put in your head affects what you think and what you do and today you've been filling your heads with me and Shah Wasman Shah, thank you ever so much for coming on the Mindset of Usman podcast today
0: my pleasure, thanks so much for having me to start my town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top.